are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. You can get your own copy of the four volumes from Tan Books, and when you head over to their website, use the code PODCAST15 and you'll save 15% off at checkout. And if you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook and find the group Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you'll be able to interact with other readers and listeners. Today is day 57. We are reading from Book 2, Chapter 6, Paragraphs 488 to 497. Of the Virtue of Faith and How Most Holy Mary Practiced It. 488. In few words, the Holy Elizabeth described the greatness of the faith of the Most Holy Mary when, as reported to us by the evangelist Luke, she exclaimed, Blessed art thou for having believed, because the words and promises of the Lord shall be fulfilled in thee. Luke 1.45 The faith of this great lady must be estimated from the greatness of her good fortune and beatitude and from her ineffable dignity, For her faith inspired her with so great and so excellent a belief in God that it merited a place inferior only to God himself. She believed that sacrament of all sacraments and mysteries which was to be fulfilled in her own self. So great was the prudence and the divine light in Mary our mistress in believing this new and unheard of mystery of the Incarnation that surpassed all human and angelic understanding that it could be properly estimated and understood only in the divine mind, the workshop of the Most High, where, in the power of his right hand, all the virtues of his queen had their origin and completion. I always find myself taken aback and stupefied whenever I speak of these virtues, and more particularly of the interior ones. For though great is the light and intelligence which were given to me concerning them, yet too limited are human terms to describe the concept and acts of faith, which were engendered in the mind and spirit of her, who was the most faithful of all creatures, or rather of her, who was greater in faith than all of them taken together. I will say what I can, acknowledging my inability to say what I desire, and much more what is due to the reality. 489. The faith of the Most Holy Mary was an image of the whole creation, and an open prodigy of the divine power. For in her the virtue of faith existed in the highest and the most perfect degree possible. In a certain manner, and to a great extent, it made up the want of faith in men. The Most High has given the excellent virtue to mortals, so that, in spite of the carnal and mortal nature, they might have the knowledge of the divinity, and of the mysteries and admirable works. A knowledge so certain and infallibly secure, that it is like seeing him face to face, and like the vision of the blessed angels in heaven. The same object and the same truth which they see openly we perceive obscured under the veil of faith. 490. One glance at the world will make us understand how many nations, reigns, and provinces since the beginning of the world have lost their claims to this great blessing of the faith, so little understood by the thankless mortals, How many have unhappily flung it aside after the Lord had conferred it on them in his generous mercy, and how many of the faithful, having without their merit, received the gift of faith, neglect and despise it, letting it lie idle and unproductive for the last end to which it is to direct and guide them. 
It was befitting, therefore, that the divine equity should have some recompense for such lamentable loss, and that such an incomparable benefit should find an adequate and proportionate return, as far as is possible from creatures. It was befitting that there should be found at least one creature, in whom the virtue of faith should come to its fullest perfection, as an example and rule for the rest. 491. All this was found in the great faith of the Most Holy Mary, and on account of her, and for her alone, if there had been no other creature in the world, it would have been most proper that God should contrive and create the excellent virtue of faith. For according to our way of understanding, Mary by herself was a sufficient pledge to the divine providence that he would find a proper return on the part of man, that the object of this faith would not be frustrated by the want of correspondence among mortals. The faith of the sovereign queen was to make recompense for their default, and she was to copy the divine prototype of this virtue in highest perfection. All the other faithful can measure and gauge themselves by the faith of this mistress, for they will be more or less faithful, the more or less they approach the perfection of her incomparable faith. Therefore, she was set as teacher and example of all the believing, including the patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and all that have believed or will believe in the Christian doctrines to the end of the world. 492. Someone might ask the question, how can it be possible that the Queen of Heaven exercised faith, since she had clear visions of the divinity many times, and many more times was favored with abstract visions, which likewise make evident that which is perceived by the understanding, as was said above, number 229-237, and will be said over and over again later on. On account of its uncertainty, the Apostle says that faith is the substance of the things that appear not, by which is meant that we have no other presence or evidence of the real existence of the things we hope for as the ultimate realization of our happiness than that which is obscurely and is in a mirror presented to us by faith. It is the force of this infused habit drawing us to believe what we do not see and the infallible certitude of what is believed, which present those strong motives for prompting the will to strive after what it desires and hopes. According to this doctrine, it seems that if the Most Holy Virgin had ever enjoyed the vision and possession of God, for these two are one, she was deprived of the obscurity necessary for the existence of faith in the things which she had seen face to face, especially if her understanding retained the images of what she had seen in the intuitive, or open vision of the divinity. 493. But this experience was not only a hindrance to the faith of the Most Holy Mary, but augmented and raised it to its highest excellence. For the Lord wished that his mother would be so wonderfully distinguished in the virtue of faith, and likewise in the virtue of hope, that she should therein surpass all that is given to ordinary wayfarers. He wished that her understanding, in order to befit her position as the mistress and artist of these great virtues, be embellished, at one time by the most perfect acts of faith and hope, at another enraptured with the vision and the possession, even if only temporary, of the very end and object of faith and hope. Thus, she was prepared by her personal experience and fruition to teach the faithful to believe what she had herself seen and enjoyed. To join these two things in the Most Holy Soul of Mary was easy to the power of the Almighty. It was due to her dignity as his most pure mother, and so it must be done. No privilege, however great, was unbecoming to her, and in her none must be wanting. 494. It is true that the clear vision of a mystery is incompatible with the obscurity of the faith, 
by which we believe it, and the possession of a thing excludes the hope of it. So Most Holy Mary, whenever these high mysteries were shown to her by evident intuition or intellectual abstractions, did not exercise the obscure acts or habits of faith. For on those occasions, she could make use only of her infused science. But the theological virtues of faith and hope did not therefore remain idle all the time of her life. For the Lord, in order to afford her the possibility of exercising them, suspended the influx and activity of the clear and evident vision, thereby causing a cessation of the effects of infused knowledge and making room for the obscurity of faith. And the Lord hid himself from her by taking away all clear evidence of himself from her mind. This happened in the most high mystery of the Incarnation, as I shall relate in its place. 495. It was not proper that the Mother of God should be deprived of the reward of the infused virtues of faith and hope. Yet in order to gain this reward, it was necessary to merit it. And in order to merit it, she must have practiced these virtues in proportion to the reward. Just as her merits were great beyond comparison, so the faith in each and every one of the acts of this exalted lady were correspondingly great. For she perceived and accepted explicitly all the truths of the Catholic religion, with the deepest and most perfect faith as a wayfarer. Manifestly, the understanding, as soon as it seems proper, evidence for that which it perceives, does not wait for the consent of the will in order to believe. For before it can receive the command of the will, it has already been compelled to accept truth by its evidences. Therefore, the act of believing what cannot be denied is not meritorious. When Most Holy Mary assented to the message of the archangel, she merited an ineffable reward on account of the act of faith necessary to believe such a deep mystery. And the same was true of other acts of faith. Whenever the Most High gave her an opportunity for its exercise by withdrawing the infused knowledge, but even when she applied infused knowledge, she gained great merit on account of the love with which she utilized it, as I have said in another place. 496. Just as little did she use the gift of infused science when she lost the divine child, at least not in order to find the place where he tarried, though this was possible to her in many other things. She did not then make use of the clear images of the divinity, also not at the foot of the cross, because the Lord restricted those visions and operations of her most holy soul which would have prevented sorrow. It was becoming that she should feel it and be left to the strength of her faith and hope alone. The joy occasioned by any of her visions or intelligences of the divinity, even if only abstractive, would naturally prevent pain, unless God wrought a new miracle to unite pain with joy. It was not proper that God should work this miracle, since on the sorrows of the lady depended her merits, and the imitation of her divine son was to be commensurate with the graces and excellences of the mother. Therefore she sought the child sorrowfully, as she herself says, in faith and lively hope, and the same virtues were also active in witnessing the passion and the resurrection of her beloved son. During those times, she depended upon Catholic faith, which then became, as it were, restricted and confined to her as its mistress and foundress. 497. Three qualities or excellences must, in particular, be mentioned in speaking of the faith of the Most Holy Mary, its continuity, its intensity, and the intelligence with which it was exercised. The faith of Mary, as mentioned above, was suspended only during those times in which she enjoyed the clearness of the intuitive and the evidence of the abstractive visions of the divinity. 
although only the Lord himself who dispensed them could know when she put into operation the one or the other kind of acts, yet the Most Holy Queen, in making use of the different kinds of spiritual activity, never allowed her understanding to remain idle for one instant of her life, and from the first moment of her conception she never lost sight of God. For when she suspended faith it was because she was enjoying the clear vision of God, though the highest kind of infused knowledge, and as soon as the Lord interrupted this clear vision, she renewed the memory of his presence by her faith. The interchange and succession of these acts produced in the mind of the Most Holy Mary an exquisite harmony, to which the Most High called the attention of the angels. When he said in the eighth chapter of the Canticles, Thou that dwellest in the gardens, the friends, hearken, make me hear thy voice. This concludes our reading today. We've been reading from Book 2 of Volume 1, Chapter 6, Paragraphs 488 to 497. Today we hear this reflection about Mary's faith, and I think it's something that we can think about, and as Maria Vagrida rightly points out in the very beginning, that even Elizabeth described the greatness of Mary's faith. And if we trace Mary then throughout the Gospels, if we go to that wedding feast at Cana, well, again, Mary had great faith that she could approach Jesus, make him aware of the fact that this couple had run out of wine, and that he would do something about it. So she has this great faith and this great trust in Almighty God. I think we can look to the person of Mary for an inspiration in our own faith. For we see how she believed. She believed when the angel came to her. She believed the something miraculous happened in Elizabeth's life. She believed in the power of her son, Jesus. And that faith will continue to be affirmed. And there will be these moments in which she understands even more. When she sees the Christ child in Bethlehem, when he's presented in the temple, there's this faith that she has that is going to be deepened in her great love for God. One of the things that we heard today, therefore she sought the child sorrowfully, as she herself says, and the same virtues were also active in witnessing the passion and resurrection of her beloved son. There was a movie last year called Resurrection. It was by Roma Downey. I was deeply moved by the film Resurrection, and one of the scenes that really spoke to me, and it's something that I often had thought of, and to see it displayed on the television to see it depicted in a scene really spoke to me. And it was the fact that after Jesus had died on the cross, Mary was gathered with the disciples, and she said, He will rise. He's told us he would rise. Do you not believe him? And so she perseveres in that faith that she has. She spent 33 years with Jesus. She learned from him. She knew what he said, and so she clung to those teachings of Jesus. And she maintained that faith then, even as she stood by the foot of the cross. You know, for a lot of us, when we have our trials, when we have our Calvary moment, like Mary did, so many of us waver, we turn away from God, but she stood there right by Jesus. And so we pray that we might have as strong a faith that Mary had that we might remain faithful to the very end. Let us pray for a deeper faith as we make an act of faith. 
O my God, I firmly believe that you are one God and three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that your divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because you have revealed them, who are eternal truth and wisdom, who can neither deceive nor be deceived. In this faith, I intend to live and die. Amen. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading from the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you tuned in today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow as we continue to make our way through these mystical revelations received by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.